0: YOU'RE WALKING WITH FOOTSTEPS IN EDUCATIONAL MINISTRY. WELCOME TO THE PODCAST. EACH EPISODE IS AIMED AT DISCUSSION AND ENCOURAGEMENT OF CHRISTIAN MINISTRY EDUCATION, INCLUDING ACADEMIC, EXTRACURRICULAR AND SPIRITUAL ACTIVITIES AND FAMILY MINISTRY. WE HOPE YOU FIND TODAY'S TOPIC TO BE INTERESTING. welcome to today's episode. We're talking about reading and we're talking about reading with Julie Desa, who is the head of the elementary program. Julie, welcome.
1: Thanks. It's good to be here.
0: So we're here today to talk about something specifically about reading and that is the Family Read Aloud program that will kick into gear after fall break. Julie, can you tell us what is the Family Read Aloud program?
1: Sure. So, a family read aloud is just simply that. It's gathering all of your family together, uh, maybe on the sofa, and uh, reading and enjoying a book together.
0: Enjoying a book together. Why in the world would that be important?
1: Gosh, there's so many reasons to read aloud to your kids, but just the enjoyment of a shared experience as a family, something, uh, a common topic to have a conversation about, um, laugh about. It's just enriching to your relationship as a family.
0: Well, obviously, we feel like reading aloud as a family is important, and we'll take some time in a couple of minutes to unpack and talk about some of that. But first, since this Read Aloud program as a family is new, why don't we get some of the details out there so that a family can have context about what we're talking about. So, Julie, when is it starting?
1: Okay, so a couple weeks after fall break, we're going to send home a book, a little packet, actually, with everyone, and we'll read that book over about five weeks.
0: So, what are we reading?
1: We're reading The Magician's Nephew.
0: Ah, and how was that book chosen?
1: Well... I love Chronicles of Narnia. I think it's a, a great series to read to any age student. But um, as this was our inaugural year, and we were just kind of piloting this idea this year, we thought it would be easiest to pick a book that our oldest students were already going to be assigned to read uh, so that we knew we had something that we hadn't asked other students to read in the past. And, um, and it was just it was just an easy pick because uh, we, we love the Chronicles of Narnia.
0: Well, that way, if you have a student um, in the very youngest grades and they've heard it one time, when it comes up again in the curriculum, they'll be more familiar with the story and can take it even deeper.
1: Absolutely. And stories are meant to be enjoyed more than once. Every time. I, my favorite in the series is The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. And I, I probably would have picked that one, but the rising sixth graders read it over the summer. <laughs> but um, Every time I read it, I have a new favorite part or something else jumps out at me. So um, absolutely, they can read it uh, multiple times or hear it multiple times. So how
0: will it work? Uh, how, How much is the family expected to read? Are there questions
1: that come with it? Good question. So I envision families just gathering together on the sofa in the family room somewhere comfortable and mom or dad sharing the story with the entire family. Nothing overly academic. We'll provide some notes and resources for how you can have some fun questions or discussion to kind of enrich the book a little bit. But students will have some pieces in the classroom that teachers will unpack and kind of teach the literature side of it. But at home, it's going to be just opportunity to read and have co-teacher discussion and good conversations.
0: So good conversations. And what you're implying is every family may have it look different in their household.
1: Sure. Depends on uh, your family, your students, what things grab their attention or their interest. Part of the resources we're going to send home is there's about 10 basic questions you can ask about any book. Uh, They're open-ended questions and they just, gosh, they're rich with opportunity to have a discussion based on how your child is um, connecting with the story. So it's not a requirement, but
0: something about hot chocolate and popcorn oh. seems to lend itself to this program.
1: Yeah, you know, I feel like you should always uh, marry those things together.
0: <laughs> Julie, where did the idea for this Family Read Aloud program originate?
1: I've always loved reading aloud to my kids and the stories and connections we've had. And as a teacher, I always loved reading to students in the classroom. But I also um, began to listen to other speakers and read different books. And they all seem to be sending the same message that it is well worth the investment. might be the single most important, best way we can use our time with our kids is reading aloud to them. And the more I read that and the more that I heard different people saying the same message, it just resonated with something I already enjoyed doing and I came to you with the idea of, can we do this as a school? Can we, can we have families read aloud one book for all of their students? In the beginning, I, I think I had this idea that everybody, be, every grade level would have their own book. And like, no, 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 that's too hard. We need one story that the whole family gets to enjoy um, so they can make connections.
0: So what are the plans to develop the program in the future?
1: So this year we picked a book that was already on our docket, to make it easy and uh, we're going to develop a list of good family read-alouds each year and maybe if it goes really really well maybe each semester we'll have a an opportunity for a shared read-aloud as a family and we'll put those books on a list and on a rotation um, if we're reading it as a family read-aloud it, it's not next year going to become your child's read alone um, it'll it'll go on a rotation and um, yeah that's the plan.
0: Well, I know some of the ideas that you found at other schools included events and activities, oh, yes. dress ups things like that where uh, we could all come together in the elementary and celebrate the characters and the story of the book perhaps yes. you know, food and drink that's featured in the books.
1: Yes, yes yes absolutely that's definitely on the plans is to look for ways that we can have opportunity as a school body and we can also share some opportunities that. Folks can do outside of the school. I love the idea of a, a shared experience with a book. So uh, the book that I've spent a lot of time reading is The Read Aloud Family by Sarah McKenzie. And she, she has this whole read-aloud revival, she calls it. And she creates these little opportunities for kids to, to read a story and have some kind of connection outside of reading or writing academically. So for example, they may read Owl Moon And then they go take a walk with their family through the neighborhood and look at the moon. I mean, it doesn't have to be very, very hard, but it's just making an emotional connection with the story. And so I love that idea. And so we may give some opportunities, some optional activities you can do as a family. But yes, we definitely want to be doing some of those as a school culture as well. So we'll be looking for opportunities as things continue to lighten up and open up and We'll look for ways to come together, and they're going to be doing some of that in the classroom too. Teachers, especially in the lower grades, have already been looking at ways to enrich the magician's nephew in the classroom in in some fun and engaging ways.
0: Well, the, the students and the parents probably feel like with everything else that the student and parents are expected to do, this would be something else added. So is this something where they're going to be reading aloud and finish it in a week? How is that going to work?
1: So we'll send home a suggested reading schedule. It's about three chapters a week, and that will put us finishing the book in five weeks, which bumps right up to Thanksgiving break. So if you didn't quite get the book finished and you want to finish it up over Thanksgiving break, it kind of builds in a little margin there. Now the fifth and sixth graders will be doing some activities in the classroom and some, some things that may require them to kind of stay up to date on that reading plan. But it certainly, if you have... The younger children, and um, you got two chapters in this week instead of three. There's there's margin to to stretch that out.
0: What about the family that gets excited and finishes the whole book in one week?
1: Fantastic! They can start the next one in the series.
0: <laughs> so often, you know, parents are asking themselves, "What's the catch?" Right. You know, I want to I want to knock it out. I want to get it done. I want it off my list. And this is actually a a push in a different direction. That's true. This is handing the families a book, even one that they may have already read, and said, would you enjoy this in community with other people and relax? And it's so hard for us to relax as a nation of doers.
1: And my kids were the very ones who would say, one more chapter, one more chapter, one more chapter. And sometimes I, you know, I did that and I would read the next chapter. And sometimes I, I asked them to wait. Nah, I'm going to leave you with a cliffhanger. I don't know what Aslan's going to do next. We'll have to see. You'll have to wait till tomorrow. Teach them a little patience. Teach them to wait and savor the story. Yes, I I would encourage you not to read it in a day, but um, I understand that some of them may get excited and want one more chapter. It is
0: interesting. That happened in our house. We were watching a, a TV program. If that doesn't make me look like a, a, a pagan. But we were watching a TV program. It was continued. It's one of those things. It was you know, obviously recorded. And we could have watched the next one because mm-hmm. it was a cliffhanger, like you said. And it was late. And we said, no, we're going to go to bed. And so we sat down last night to watch the second part. And I asked my children, is it hard to watch it now? what are you talking about, dad? Well, last night it was killing you not Mm -hmm. to do it. And now 24 hours have gone by. What have you learned? Well, I guess we can wait. Yeah. And teaching children that they can have patience is a good thing. Discipline.
1: I I definitely think so. And I know this is maybe small and and maybe feels silly, but I, I think it's important to look for little ways to cause them to pause and cause them to wait. Because in In the time in which we live where we can binge watch a show, I'm not going to watch it where I have to wait a day or a week to see the next one. I'll wait till the season's over and then I'll just watch the whole thing. You know, when people have that option, we have to look for intentional places to teach them to be patient because the more we have things at instant gratification speed, actually the grumpier we get, the grumpier our kids get. They're unhappy. And so we look for ways to delay the gratification and, and then they enjoy it so much more. Well, let's
0: talk about some of the benefits of reading. We said that we would address those. One of the neat things about it is that it causes and trains students in listening and paying attention as a group. Now, Not sure we'd want to read aloud for two hours straight, but for small bit batches of time, uh, you do have the family concentrating together without all the other distractions.
1: Yeah. So, auditory processing for kids and. this generation is, is something we hear parents complain about a lot or not complain but to say is a struggle because they're so used to a visual uh, to aid their understanding and their imagination and, and or take away their imagination. So stopping and listening to a story, getting a picture in your mind, that's harder for students to do. So just for that opportunity alone is, is a real gift.
0: Well, it does train the individual to listen. And a question would be, If we don't do this, then how are you training your child to listen? And that's Mm -hmm. almost a foreign statement or a foreign question now. You know, we just expect students to be able to listen without training. And that's probably not going to happen because they are so visually oriented.
1: Right. And that translates over to older students listening to a lecture or um, listening to a speaker.
0: Right, right. And that's common (laughs) both in high school and even on the college campus where... Mm -hmm. Uh, Students are not trained to go that long without uh, some type of interruption. And Mm -hmm. so even though they might be present in the classroom or the lecture hall, Mm -hmm. uh, their mind is going in a million different directions. We just don't seem to practice concentration as a culture. And there are so many things that work against any form of concentration. Right. So this Read-aloud program by family is not going to solve all of that. It's just one component, and you're a believer in reading, I take it.
1: Oh, yes. Um, I'm really excited about this opportunity for kindergarten through sixth grade students to all be sharing the same story at the same time for families to be able to focus on one piece of literature with all of their students and just to enjoy it. And there are multiple academic reasons even beyond just learning to listen. I'm taking this straight out of uh, Sarah McKenzie's Read Aloud Family book. She quotes that in the 1985 Commission on Reading declared the single most important activity for building the knowledge required for eventual success in reading is reading aloud to children. And so I just think that's pretty powerful right there uh, right. of a reason to read aloud to your kids. It builds their comprehension skills better than um, any other activity. So. I didn't realize that when I was going through teacher training, I thought that in order to build comprehension skills, I needed to give the students lots of drills where they would read and answer a lot of questions. Took the joy right out of reading. Uh, There was no fun in that. And when I read that quote that we can just read to our students in a reading level slightly higher than their own and how that would build vocabulary and comprehension better than any other single activity we could do, that was just, uh, that was game changer for me as a mom and as a teacher took lots of pressure off and brought so much joy and life back into teaching.
0: Well, I I had a chance to listen to a presentation by Andrew Poudoi, and we know him as the author of the Excellence in Writing composition program that we use in the lower and the middle grades. And he was asked a question about, you know, can you identify certain skills that make a good writer? And uh, it was a little surprising. He said that he can pick out the best writers every time by them being read aloud by their parents at a grade level or more higher. Uh, In other words – (laughs) that the parents are reading beyond their own capabilities, the student's capabilities, and that can be done throughout high school. Surprisingly, Mm -hmm. he said that is some of the best training that a a pair of parents can do for their student is to keep reading ahead of their own ability Mm -hmm. because then they get it modeled.
1: Right. The modeling is, is a beautiful part of the read aloud. So for the youngest students, just modeling fluent reading without the constant breaks and choppiness or for the intermediate reader to, to practice modeling dialogue. And I, we mentioned audiobooks before we started the podcast, but that's mm-hmm. one of the things I love an audiobook for is they do the voices so much better than I do. And I love that that model of, um, of um, it just brings an extra, something to the story when you hear the expression and the voices you, it sort of uh, creates the mood of the book it sort of enhances that for the for the kids and I don't know I, I see the kids start to do it more and more when they've listened to audiobooks or when they've listened to their parents read and do it in voices And you see them do it in the classroom I have a fourth grader I like to listen to read right now and he does the best voices
0: <laughs> well I think it makes a very large <clears throat> difference Some people look at audiobooks as, oh, that's cheating. Well, no, it is someone who is reading the book loud, and they're literally reading the book as opposed to the voices that uh, a student might hear in cartoons, TV shows, radio dramas, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. In other words, uh, it makes a difference between reading a book and talking about the door slamming and having sound effects for everything. So that develops the brain. Mm-hmm. You have to imagine the door slamming. There is nothing else to reinforce it. And one of the greatest gifts, I think, that a um, talented reader does through audiobooks is the, the space, mm-hmm. the timing, mm-hmm. the silence. Mm -hmm. Um, reading a little bit more quickly when he's excited, slowing down when he's a little bit more sad. And again, that is modeling for the student, that nobody likes a computer-read book. No, I'm talking about the old school Mm -hmm. computer-read books.
1: Mm -hmm. And my favorite time to do an audiobook is in the car. It could be a long ride or it could just be the ride to school. Many times we've been listening to a book On the way to school, my drive is about 15 minutes and we pull in the parking lot and the kids say, we don't want to get out yet. (laughs) Can we just get to the end of the chapter? Can we get to the end of this part? Because they're so excited. I love to leave them with a bit of a cliffhanger like, nope, you're going to have to wait (laughs) until we're on our way home. It kind of keeps them interested and excited. But if you have uh, to the mom who has a younger student that has a hard time sitting still to listen to the story. I find that the books, the audio books in the car are an excellent opportunity. Your kid's strapped in. They're going nowhere. They're looking out the window, right? Something's occupying their eyes, but they're able to listen to the story. And so, yeah, I would just encourage you, if you have a child that's struggling, to stay still long enough to hear the story. Try, Try listening in the car on a car ride.
0: Well, what's important about that is you do have, as a family or a part of a family, a shared experience. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that we will all refer to years down the line. So I have two older children. They're both married now. One has children. I'm seeing it unfold again. Mm -hmm. And they will talk about some of the long trips that we took, and we listened to books on tape. I'll put a plug out there for "Cheaper by the Dozen." There was an excellent reader who did that, and we enjoyed listening it to several different times. Mm-hmm. And then another one that was popular were the stories by James Harriet about the veterinary in England uh, years and years ago. And so we would get absorbed in the stories, and years later we still refer mm-hmm. to some of those. It's- part of our our experience in history.
1: I think that's one of my biggest desires out of the Family Read Aloud opportunity is that you share an experience together. You've uh, laughed about something that happened in the story and then you refer back to it time and again. And it's like your family's inside joke. It's like your connection, something that you remember. I remember listening to someone talk about a a book they had read aloud with their family and something funny in it happened. And then from there forward, uh, every time uh, uh, a similar situation would happen, they always referred to it and called it by the name of the the experience in the book, and so that became their little thing that kind of connected their family. and I think our kids won't forget the times we shared a book together, especially if it's a not just a picture book, although those are very important. and I've read many, many, many hours worth of picture books to my children. But those books that kind of linger with us a little longer where we um, get to know the characters and we get really involved in the story and we paint a picture in our mind. We don't forget those. I still remember the one elementary teacher that I can remember who read to us every day was my fifth grade uh, teacher. She taught me all the subjects and she used to read The Great Brain books to us, and they weren't anything special, but I remember those books, and what made them special was that she read them, and I still remember I would put my head down on my desk after lunch, and she would read the story, and the picture would just flow through my mind, and I still remember that. Fifth grade was a really long time ago, so I, I really believe that our kids won't forget these opportunities.
0: Well, I agree, and you know, you're recalling fondly a teacher reading You know, sometimes it's after lunch to settle the kids down, first thing in the morning, whatever it is. But this opportunity is for families Mm -hmm. so that families can connect. It's not just that valued teacher, but uh, lifting mom and dad and placing them back up at at the head of their students' education and creating those connections that you were talking about. So I have a quote from an article I was reading, uh, written by Jessica Walker, and she taught kindergarten and first grade. And she said, reading aloud as a family is a wonderful way to, number one, build family culture. Hmm. Very important in an environment uh, in which it's generally fragmented. Mm -hmm. And then to fill children's moral imaginations –
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, imagine that they do have moral imaginations. They are soaking Mm -hmm. things up and to fill them with beautiful images and inspiring heroes.
1: Mm -hmm. I remember the first day of summer break. Gosh, I think I think my two were maybe around first and second grade, something like that. And pulled out a book. I said, let's read this book. And it was one of those kind of heroes of the faith kind of written for children. And it was Corey Timboom. I don't think that we've ever done it since. We literally did sit there for about two hours. We read the entire book. And I i have boys. And they I do love my boys. They're real sweet. They're just not real tenderhearted. They don't typically emotionally connect with a story or a movie. We We all sat there and wept by the end of it. And then we came in and we found The Hiding Place. We found the movie and, and we watched it. And I'll never forget that. And I don't think they will either. They still talk about the story. But, you know, Mr. Miller from our school encouraged us years and years ago to to read the stories of the heroes of faith, to put the missionary biographies and the, the stories in front of our kids so they have kind of that moral compass that uh, people to watch, people to emulate, people who are worthy of of, of following after.
0: Well, so. you mentioned the Great Brain books by Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. and that is not the moral hero that you want your children to emulate. He's kind of a, a Tom Sawyer type of character. Right. Um, he gets himself in trouble. He's always trying to be clever. He's trying to swindle people out of things. But uh, it is humorous because there's human nature in there. And, you know, that's a great example of we're going to talk about what this kid does and and what not to do. And what does the Bible say about some things like this? So you've got heroes of the faith on one side. You've got Tom Sawyer basically being amoral on the other side. And, um, they're valuable for the parents to bring out to Mm -hmm. their children. Moral instruction is their responsibility.
1: Yeah. And you get to pick the stories when you're doing a family read aloud, you get to pick, um, for the one we're going to do at school. Clearly we're, we're choosing that story, but beyond, beyond that one, you get to pick, uh, what things you want to expose your kids to what problems. I I love something you brought up a few weeks ago and we talked about how, um, a lot of our kids don't know what it is to live through something hard, but we sure can read about, and we do read about, the books we send home with kids. They're reading about hard circumstances and ways that characters changed or maybe even God changed those characters through what they were living through. And, um, and we can keep pointing those out because our kids will go through things at some point in their life. And so we keep putting stories in front of them and, and show them how people reacted or how they grew and changed. And so you get to pick. You get to pick what stories you want to share.
0: Well, the larger the body of shared experience, and shared experience is important. If everybody in a family has the shared experience of reading like uh, Sign of the Beaver out loud together, then they have this, this body of information that they can refer to, and so... You have the mom or the dad or even one of the kids to say, well, it is hard to do that. It's kind of like when that character befriended, you know, the Native American boy and, you know, and instantly they know what you mean. You well, don't have to have this long lecture. Right. You just drop it in and it's relating. And that's how Jesus taught.
1: Well, and we as a family will even use, sometimes we'll be reading the Bible for example, and we're trying to understand a certain passage and and someone will say, oh, kind of like in the bronze bow when da-da-da-da-da. And so we're using our stories to help us interpret other stories. Exactly. Um, right. And
0: that's the value of literature mm-hmm. is that, you know, if a family has read Animal Farm right. uh, with older kids, you know, you can say, stop acting like, you know, and you fill in the blank with the character or you're acting like this other person you know, Mm -hmm. over here, that shared experience is so powerful. So as we talk about what's important in reasons for reading, I can imagine there's a mom or dad at home saying, I can't add one more thing to my plate. I don't want mommy guilt. I don't want daddy guilt. I don't Mm -hmm. need anybody else telling me and it sounds like, Julie, you're trying to set them up to actually have more rest and more peace.
1: Right. The tyranny of the urgent can, can really steal our joy. And so I just want to read a quote from Sarah McKenzie's The Read Aloud Family. It really encouraged me as a mom. As a busy mother, I struggle to truly connect with each of my kids in a way that will stand the test of time. There's a whole household to tend to, dinner to make, a pile of laundry always spilling into the hallway. Life feels constantly hurried and over full. School, work, church, extracurricular activities, sports, family affairs, housework, errands, so many things to do. Emails, phone calls, text messages, so much noise, so much noise. And it's just too easy to let these precious childhood years scream by. They're all screaming by and I can hardly stop them. And she goes on to talk about how it felt overwhelming to think about trying to plan some kind of meaningful trip to the zoo or we're going to plan we're going to bake cookies together and, and there wasn't time to carve out for all of that but when she finally latched on to the idea of I just need to stop and pull out a book I can do that 5 minutes 10 minutes how, how many how many of her minutes I have to give she started connecting with her children in a way that she hadn't before and so it just felt like life was being breathed into their family she even talks about how uh, when her kids would get cranky with one another, rather than start yelling at everyone trying to manage their behavior. She would just take out a book and start reading it out loud. And one by one, they would all kind of come around her and start listening to the story. And, and so I just want to encourage you that not trying to add to your list of things to do, but just to to breathe life into your day and, and give you uh, good moments with your kids, rich moments.
0: Well, and books are very portable. So I imagine, you know, mom or dad is their packing for an outing or something, if if the ball game's being rained out or they're really stuck in, in traffic that's not moving at all, I imagine mom or dad saying, look, we're going to go do this and we're going to take diggory with us, you know, from the magician's nephew. And it slides into the purse or the briefcase or whatever, and it can be taken out and, you know, a few pages can be read, but it, it, you're ready. It's not just a time for, you know, boredom when we're caused to wait.
1: It's so true. And I really think you'll find that you're enjoying doing it. Dad may not want you to read that chapter without him. He may say, oh, but I missed it. I, we read a story around Christmas time. We read it every year. And the first year we read it, we laughed so hard every night that we would read it. I remember my husband coming home and saying, I cannot wait to see what those Herdman kids are going to do tonight. And, and we were reading the greatest Christmas pageant, right? Or the best worst Christmas pageant ever. And and we would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And it was kind of like coming home to your favorite show, right? But we were coming home to our favorite story. So um, I, I think they're going to enjoy it. I really hope that you'll um, embrace the opportunity.
0: Well, Julie, there's a whole lot more to talk about reading aloud as a family. And I think we need to get back together, maybe invite some um, some parents who have been involved in it, maybe some teachers who have seen some of the benefits, and make this an ongoing conversation, if you would be willing.
1: Oh, absolutely. I. I- I think this is going to be great to hear the feedback after we finish this.
0: Well, thank you for joining us.
1: It was great to be here.
0: You've been walking with footsteps in educational ministry. Thank you for listening. We welcome your feedback. For more information, visit the podcast webpage at lakepointacademy.com.